All right, hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of Creekside Outdoors. Uh, as always, uh, I'm Eric Miller, and I have a special guest with us today, uh, an old friend. We go back uh, many, many years. Tina Patterson, the president and founder of Hunt of a Lifetime. Tina, how you doing? Good. 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 Glad to hear it. So uh, we're on location, kind of today. We're at the uh, Pointing Dog uh, Benefit Hunt. Um, the way it works basically is uh, we have a little pointing dog competition and uh, every entry uh, has a sponsor sheet and they can go out and you know raise money to and basically the goal here is to just raise money for your organization hunt of a lifetime which sends children with life-threatening illnesses out on their dream hunting and fishing trip that's right so, 21 and under okay 21 and under is the age that they uh, they have to be no bottom age cutoff okay all right so why don't you tell us a little bit how how hunt of a lifetime started and and uh um, I know it started with your son, Matthew, in, in his honor, but if you could tell our, our listeners a little bit about that, that'd be fantastic. Well, Matthew had gotten a cancer, a curable cancer, when he was 16, went into remission, then went out of remission again when he was 18, was uh, doing a stint down in Pittsburgh for a bone marrow cell transplant. Okay. And when he did that, I decided to go to Make-A-Wish and ask him for a hunt for him because he wanted to hunt moose. Okay. Well, when I talked to Make-A-Wish, they said they were no longer doing the hunts, that it was impossible to even think about starting to look for one. Plus, he was 18, and they do under 18. Okay. So I asked them to give me some contacts that they used for their hunts when they did do them. Okay. And they gave me a, a safari club in Pittsburgh, a wonderful guy named Don Federoff. I talked to Don for about an hour. Don said it was too late because it was March, the end of March, and all the outfitters would have been at all the expos, and <laughs> they'd sold all their hunts for the fall, and I would have to look into the fall after that. Well, I turned around, and I asked them for some numbers and started following up on my own, calling outfitters, and of course, I got exactly what Don said. They sold them all at the expos, and we're into next year. Well, we finally got one guy that would donate a hunt if my husband bought a hunt. But that would have been in September of 99, okay. which was a year and a half later. Okay. In the meantime, Don hung up and decided he was going to check with some of his folks out west and see if they had anybody. We got a call in July, and he had found an outfitter in Nordic, Alberta, Canada, that said he would be willing to take Matt out in October of 98. Okay. So it wasn't even six months later. Matt went out, and unfortunately, we lost Matt by April of 99, so the hunt I had gotten for Matt, he'd have never seen, because mm. mine wasn't until September of 99. Okay. When Matt passed away, with all the calls I did and all the things going on in his life, I thought, boy, this has got to be easier for parents that are going through sicknesses with their children, because their days are so much more fuller than people understand, unless they've been there. So I said, well, I'm going to take the memorial donations from my fellow bus drivers, because I drive a school bus, and it started with the PA license for $100. Put an ad in the paper for a lawyer. She came on board and helped us get started. She wasn't a um, nonprofit lawyer, but she at least got the ball rolling. Okay. Then once we started getting funding, we went for national and a paid lawyer that knew what he was doing and is now on board with us. But... Uh, I just want to make sure there's other kids out there like my Matthew that likes to hunt and fish, and if they go to Make-A-Wish, they're going to be told no. Sure. So, so 1999 was when you founded Hunt of a Lifetime, basically to supply children like Matthew, who, for instance, was battling a cancer, uh, to be able to go out on their, you know, their dream hunting or fishing trip. 
Right. So 99, you've come a long way. Since oh, then, huh? yes. 245 children and probably 60 more on the records for this year. Really? And still coming in because the St. Jude's Hospital has us on the list. Oh, good. And um, they send us the children that actually tell them hunting or fishing. So we automatically get them. Oh, that's fantastic. So, and then we have a lot of other hospitals that are now finding out about us and doctors that are passing our information to other doctors. And we're picking up a lot of people that way. Uh, we travel a lot. Last year, last week, I was invited to go to Florida and do a free expo. Mm -hmm. And I have relatives down there, so we stayed with them, and that saved us the hotel bill. And we did a whole weekend, and we picked up a child there and two outfitters. So, you know, expo Great. shows help us out, too. Now, we, we were talking earlier, and you, had, you said you had done 64 kids last year? 65. 65 kids last year. Now... Your first year, how many kids were you able to do? Starting January of 2000 was our very first child. Okay. And then uh, by the end of 2000, we had seven children done. Okay. So you've, you've come a, a really long way. Yeah. From so seven to 65. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, and, really. Uh, for our listeners, the reason we're doing an event like we are today, it's to raise money for you so you can send kids to these to these outfitters that, that will accommodate them. Because uh, without, you know... Uh, Groups like like we have here today with you know all our pointing dog uh, enthusiasts, um, you're helping to raise money. You know it's that's basically how you get funded. Am I right? Correct? Yes. Any benefits that somebody calls up and does for us, any uh, donations that come in the mail, we have a lot of memorials that people had had done something that was involved with one of our children. So when they pass on, they have their their memorials come mm -hmm. to us. Um, we only have one paid employee. She's 10 hours a week, $6 an hour, does all my filing, because mm -hmm. in the 10 hours that she does filing would take me a whole week. Sure. And I'm out on the road so much, it works out easier. But none of our ambassadors, none of our board of directors, and I myself being the founder and president and started this seven years ago and all the traveling I do, I don't take a paycheck. Mm -hmm. I didn't start this with that in mind. It's about the kids. Sure. So all the monies that we get in are going to make sure these hunts are going to happen. That's fantastic. Um, over the years, what what has been the most rewarding you know aspect of, of this organization for you? Is is it to see the smile on the kids' face when when they send you pictures saying you know we were successful? Uh, the smiles, the parents that call up and before even before they go out, they get their package of free hats and Cabela's donates the clothing and accessories. And when the stuff comes in before they go out on their hunt, their little packages, I get calls from the parents and sometimes the kids themselves, depending on their age. And, and just to hear the voices, oh my God, you don't know how much my child's lightened up. You don't know how much... He's taken on the medicine now with a brighter outlook because he's going on this big hunt or she's going on this big hunt or fishing trip. And just the, the new energy that they drive from it to go forward and get get this done because they're going on their big dream. I mean, that's got to make you feel you know especially proud and happy to know that you, pretty much you alone are responsible for for making, you know, today to say it was 265 kids? 245. 245 kids. 245 kids, you've made their life that much better. I mean, that's, that, that, you know, if that doesn't bring a smile to any listener's face, I don't know what will. And you know, and I'm the type of person that it's not really me that's done this. It's the people around me. Like you're saying today, we're having this group. If this group didn't do this benefit, that's that much less funds we have to work with. Sure. If we didn't have outfitters and charter boat captains that take their whole 
fee and waive it and welcome these kids with open arms and some of them go way above what they really have to do hunt of a lifetime wouldn't happen mm -hmm. it's, it's not about me it's about all the people that get involved from the little person that it lives in New Jersey and sends me a dollar bill every month and says this is the best I can do wish I had more to the person that donates a thousand dollars or has a benefit that makes ten thousand dollars everybody is a part of hunt of a mm -hmm. lifetime but you're right that's my paycheck yeah that's yeah. my paycheck the knowing that 245 children have lived out what my son must be smiling down from heaven knowing sure. he made happen. Sure. Well, that's fantastic. Now, obviously, uh, there had to be some growing pains along the way. Uh, <laughs> what, in, in your mind, what would be the most difficult part that you've had to face so um, far? Just getting the awareness out there that we exist. We've been on TV with Larry Zonka, Ron Shera, Ted Nugent, who's on our board of directors, him and Ron Shera. We've been on Texas... Texas Trophy Hunters, we've been on Texas Deer Association, <clears throat> Keith Warren, Bill Jordan's taken out some of our kids, but yet there's people out there that still don't realize we're here. And I've gone to a lot of setups in Pennsylvania, which is the biggest hunting state, and there's a lot of people who don't realize that if these kids are going to make a wish, they're being turned away. Sure. So I, I think my biggest, um, I guess, pain is the fact that no matter how loud I'm yelling it, we're still not getting to everybody. Right. Well, hopefully, you know, our, our you know listeners that are listening in today, who weren't aware of Hunt of Lifetime, at the end of the show, we're gonna give them uh, your web address. You, know, you have a toll-free number. And yes. Please, um, you know, we'll let them have it. And uh, folks, if there's any way that you would like to get involved, you know, at the end of the show, we'll we'll uh, give uh, the Hunt of Lifetime web address and their their 800 number. So, uh, like she said, a dollar, a dollar can go a long way. You know, and then the smallest bit helps. So, um, you know, hopefully. We can, uh, you know, raise enough money to get, a, you know, another child, uh, child out there to, to go on their hunt. So, um, you said you did last year 65 kids. Right. Um, so, every year you've seen a steady increase in the amount of kids. Right, right. And yeah. that's, that's got to be a good thing because that's showing that uh, awareness is getting out there. A, more children are applying. And also, the funds are also obviously increasing if you're able to send more kids each year. Right, right. But, you know, it, it comes with a lot of hard work, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, like the fundraiser today. Um, and you're heading to another one tonight. Another uh, one tonight. Back here tomorrow for the other one. Yep, and we, then off to Bergen, New Jersey okay. for a dinner Monday night. So this, this keeps you pretty darn busy. Yeah, we left home last Tuesday. Not this Tuesday, but last Tuesday. Went to Florida to do the setup in Florida. Be brought back up to this one. I haven't been home, and it won't be until two weeks later that I, from that Tuesday that I left. Mm -hmm. I will be arriving home this Tuesday, so I've been gone for two weeks on the road. Have you really? Yeah. Now, I think you said you were in Minnesota already? Yes. Now, we, now when you're going to these places, are, are you going to... to benefits like we're at today or are you doing shows where you're you're kind of getting the word out uh different things the one in minnesota was a father whose son went out um back in 2002 he went on a caribou hunt unfortunately waney passed away within a week of his hunt uh he had hit all the all four books from nra in uh february of 2003 he made all four of the books in nra the lady that was up there at the time he was out on a hunt is an editor okay for the women's outlook the women's book for nra and she had written a story about him and it made all four of the books well weenie's dad is now going to retire and has come on board to be the ambassador for 
Minnesota. Oh, really? And he had a benefit. It was his very first time to try a dinner benefit, kind of like the Rocky Mountain Elk sure. Foundation mm -hmm. has. And at that benefit, Wayne was present with all the pictures and the talk, and it was actually titled after Wayne as a memorial benefit. He raised $23,000. Really? It was Fantastic. his first benefit, and he had help from Whitetails Unlimited and Ducks Unlimited folks that do their banquet. They came on board as his committee and helped guide him through how to run yeah, it. That is, that's fantastic. Sportsman's Warehouse donated a lot of the products mm -hmm. for door prizes. That's, that, uh, you know, as as a sportsman, you know, particularly one in Pennsylvania, you know, it it really is fabulous to see the amount of sportsmen out there that are you know, that are helping you, because uh, you know, like you said, without outfitters, without people doing stuff like this, it it, it doesn't happen. So. Sometimes when you see uh, hunters portrayed as just guys who go out, like to go out and, and shoot animals or things like that, it goes a lot deeper than that. You know, they're 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 thoughtful, they're you know they're generous people, and um, you know hopefully you know people start to understand that there's another aspect to hunting other than just going out and, and putting game in your game pouch, so to speak. Right. Um, you know. We had one person say, well, they're just going out and they're trophy hunting. I said, no, you don't understand. We had a seven-year-old from West Virginia with brainstem cancer. And uh, Daniel was brought to us by a pastor. And he said, the little boy would like to go on a hunt for elk. And I said, well, fine, give me his information with brainstem cancer. Of course, it's a no-brainer. It's life-threatening. He fits the program. He said, but ma'am, he's seven years old. I said, the only thing my outfitters are going to want to know is, is that child responsible with the gun? And he kind of caught me off guard because it was a pastor. And he said, ma'am, you don't understand. In West Virginia, they're born with a 22 on the way out. So <laughs> it was a private joke. It was a good joke from him. And it kind of caught me off guard. But we took Daniel out in Somerset, PA on a ranch because of his age factor. Mm -hmm. We had to get him somewhere where the age factor did not play on a license. Daniel got out in Somerset, PA on a ranch, thousand acre ranch, and shot his elk, went back home, got his free taxidermy mount, which we get for all the children. We got wonderful taxidermists, and McKinsey donates all the supplies. Oh, nice. So there's no cost for the taxidermy sure. supplies. And then we just get the taxidermists give up their labor and time. Mm -hmm. They'll actually put our kids at the front of the line oh, good. and put off their paying customers. Sure. By, he went out on November 17th. By December 25th, he had the elk in his house hanging to show all his aunts and uncles. And the comment was not, look how big the rack is on the elk, because it by far was not a huge rack. Mm -hmm. The comment was, look, we're eating my elk today. We're going to get to try elk. I always wanted to go out and try elk meat. So it was not about the trophy. It was about maybe I'm not going to grow up and be able to afford to go out and buy an elk mm -hmm. hunt. So this was his opportunity to live out the dream that he wished he was going to grow up to do when he was old enough to afford it when he got a job. Right. I mean, a, a lot of people have to understand that th these are children, and and you know what what they deem a dream hunt might might not necessarily be the same as what an adult would. For a kid, it, anything out there, uh, for instance, an elk, a spike elk, would would tickle them pink because they're actually getting to do you know what they want to do which is the hunt not necessarily go out and pursue trophy animals right and i think that's you know, another you know great thing about you know the organization it, it's all about the kids it really is 
It really is. And then, you know, like I said, Daniel just wanted to put elk meat on the table. He grew up on a farm. He lived on a farm. And everybody always talked about how good elk meat was. He wanted to grow up and go bring home some elk meat for all his relatives to try. Mm -hmm. Daniel passed away seven days before he turned eight years old on March 1st. How do you tell that child no? Right. Exactly. He didn't have that opportunity to say, well, when I grow up, I'm going to go do this. Right. You know, it wasn't his choice that he had this and was not going to grow up. Sure. Now, obviously, uh, you know, we had talked before that there's an unfortunate side of this. You're, you can't take every kid. Right. You've had to turn some kids away. The only children we've had to, and it's really not turning them away, it's they got so sick when they got to us and found out about us that even though we planned for the hunt, there's seasons. Unfortunately, you can't hunt till fall. If you get a child in March who's in almost bedridden, all you can do is hope that they're going to last that long. Sure. But we put them at the top of the list and they don't get out. Right. It's not put off, but it it's like, you tried. Yeah, I guess you know. You tur tried. Turn away was the wrong term to use. It. Right, right. You made the attempt. It was. It know, just, it just didn't, didn't work out. Yeah. So and, and that's the frustration that I'm saying. I set up at expos in Pennsylvania, at least six of them a year, and I still have people come through the booth, look up at our sign, and see the sign that says "Make a Wish No Longer Grants Hunts," and they'll look at me and they'll go, "I didn't know that." Yeah, they're not aware of that. But we have been publicizing it in every story. In every book that's ever done a story on the kids, that they're not doing them, not that we're putting down Make-A-Wish, because we love them. They do actually tell kids about us, mm -hmm. if you get the right office. But at the same time, it's not the wish our children want. Sure, sure. So we need to let people know. We need to spread the word, hey, there's an ultimatum for these kids. Make-A-Wish is going to turn them away, but there's some place for them to go. And Pennsylvania has the most hunters but they're the ones with the last knowledge about the Make-A-Wish turndown. How about that? Something else. Yeah, I stand behind mm -hmm. the booth and I just shake my head because I'm like, the foundation started in Pennsylvania. It's a Pennsylvania-based foundation, started in Pennsylvania, and now has gone national. Mm -hmm. We have done two children from Canada because now Canada's wish program called Rainbow Wish is turned off the hunts too. Really? So every now and then they'll get a child that wants to fish or hunt and they'll call me up. And they'll say, will you do a Canadian child? Well, yeah, I'm going to do a Canadian child because half of our outfitters are probably Canadian outfitters. And a quarter of them have taken out children. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of kids want to go to Canada for black bear, moose, sure, and the brown bear. You can't get that much in, in the United States right. for those hunts. Sure. So these kids go to Canada a lot. And then, there, of course, there's their big fishing thing in Canada for muskies and pike. Mm -hmm. So we get a lot of kids that we send to Canada. So the last thing I'm going to do is say, no, I'm not going to take a Canadian child. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We've gone national and we've done 243 American children and two Canadian. And the Canadian outfitters are just as wonderful as our American outfitters. Yep. Um, they bring a kid up there. They, they just treat them like royalty. We've had parents call back and say, I felt like a king and a queen. You know, it's, it really does say volumes for the, the 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 sportsmen out there they're the sportsmen and women out there they're they're really a, a special breed they they're 
they give and give and give and and folks if you're listening you know hopefully you can find it in your heart to to, to help this organization out um you know at, at, like tina had said you know a dollar yeah helps i have that like i said that new jersey guy sends me that dollar every month and says i'm sorry it's not enough and i send him back a handwritten thank you i do that with all my folks mm -hmm. and i told him i says your dollar is just as important to our kids as a person that gives me a thousand dollar check because without that dollar it's a dollar less i yep. had to work with yep now let me ask you What's what's the future like for Hunt of Lifetime? Pretty bright? Oh, very bright. We're putting in ambassadors in each state. In a couple of states, like Pennsylvania, they're so big, we've split it in half and have two ambassadors. We've got Grant Fritz is on the eastern part of the state. Who's who's in the west? We're looking at Rusty Davis. Okay. His son, Brett, went out two years ago and then just passed away this last January. Not of 06, but of 05. And he has since gone to different expos with me and set up for the weekend and talked to people about his son who made national TV. So basically, fall. if you go to a, for instance, the Ford Washington show, right? that would be, you'd probably see yourself and Grant, if you'd head out to like the Jaffa Sports Show, which I believe is out in Western right. PA, that's the one I then, then you'd see yourself and probably the Rusty. Rusty, okay. right, yeah. But uh, a lot of the states we have ambassadors in, we're, we're now at 35 states and three four provinces covered with ambassadors and and i'm sure growing and yeah. yes we keep getting people putting in applications saying i want to be ambassador what does it entail we just went when we went down to florida i met up with a man that's done seven children in the last five years he is also my main contact if a child's going out of the states and i don't have any contacts he has a lot of overseas friends so he's the one i call and say hey i need this and he'll find it for me well, Ron come up to the booth because I told him we were going to be down there. And he says, I want to talk to you about an ambassador and what it involves. So while we were in Florida, we not only found a child, ended up with two outfitters. We also ended up with an ambassador. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, it so, so everything's looking good for Hunt of a Lifetime. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I can't stress enough how great of an organization this is. And as I'd mentioned at the beginning of the show, you and I go, we go way back. When oh, we first met at yes, Harrisburg. Right. I think uh, the first... First child we uh, we worked on was as uh, Alan Manning. Yep. And his his elk hunt and uh, yep. yeah that got the whole ball rolling for me anyways as you getting involved in it and I really haven't looked back. It's any opportunity I, I get to yeah you know, except this year Harrisburg I didn't get to make it out there but we had that again a snowstorm. I never <laughs> made it until the last weekend with our Eastern ambassador on board. It frees me up for other things, mm -hmm. and I finally made it to a Whitetails Unlimited dinner that they've invited me to for three years. And I was always setting up down here. Well, Grant's turned out to do the show so well that I said, well, it's yours. Yeah. You set it up. I went to just outside of Cleveland. First, I went down below Cleveland. Unfortunately, one of our boys died, and I'm really close with the family because they come to a lot of our events as volunteers. She had two boys with cancer. The oldest one was terminal and is still doing fine and is in remission. They don't know why. The younger boy was supposed to be curable, unfortunately passed away. Mm. So February 4th or 3rd, I was doing a funeral, and then I had to drive an hour north, do a benefit dinner for us, do my lecture, my guest speak there. Left there at 9:30 and drove six hours to just below Wisconsin. Got up six <laughs> hours later and drove the rest of the way to Minneapolis, Minnesota. So to the hunt of a lifetime keeps you keeps running, you running. Running, I well, see a lot of miles. Well, that's you know that's good to see that it's it's come 
this far from when I first met you. And, and um, again, I'm glad to, you know, to be a part. I'm proud of it. Um, you know, and it makes me happy to see the smile on your face when you're talking about all the children that you've, you know, you've really touched their lives. You've improved their lives and you have your son, Matthew, to thank you for that. Yes, my little mm. legacy, I call him. So, um, well, before we end, let's get some information from you. Let's get your website. It's www.huntofalifetime.org, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, folks, if you, if you want any information, that's a good website. It's got everything on there. Check it out. Once again, it's www.huntofalifetime.org. And you also have an 800 number. 866-345-4455. All right, so once again, it's 866-345. Yep. And what are the last? 4455. So, folks, if you, if you want to get involved or make a donation, please uh, feel free to give Tina a call. They can always use the help. And, uh, you know, it looks like Hunt of Lifetime's well on its way. So. And be patient. Sometimes I'm <laughs> on the road for a week or two, so I get back to those phone calls when I get home because, like I said, the secretary's part-time. She's 10 hours just to do the filing. I feel that we can do better things with the money than pay somebody to sure. just sit in an office and half the time there's not enough work right. and then other times there are if I'm on the road. So yeah. I handle everything else when I get home. Fantastic. So be patient and wait for me. <laughs> All right, folks, well, uh, go ahead and give them a call or, or check their website if you're interested. Tina, I'd like to thank you thank for being you. my guest. Um, Hopefully we can touch a few more listeners after and get them involved. That would be wonderful. All right. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in for another edition of Creekside Outdoors. This is Eric Miller. Thank you and have a good one.